This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Swift is a pop icon. Not only has her new music been lauded by the critics, she is on a record-breaking tour and remaking the rules when it comes to her back catalogue of hits. As a result, she's now said to be a billionaire, making her one of the few artists to ever reach that level based on her music alone. So in the first of these two episodes, we're going to be taking a look at the decisions Taylor Swift has made along the way to get to where she is. Quiz Shortcuts is your backstory to the big news stories. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Taylor Swift, Claire, she needs no introduction. And that's really part of the story. She has just become ubiquitous. She really has, but I guess we'd better make some effort to intro her. <laughs> her full name is Taylor Allison Swift. She was born in December 1989. Fans will know that year. She has mm. an album named after her birth year. She was born in Pennsylvania and named after the legendary muso James Taylor. Her dad was in finance and her mum in marketing. It's a pretty good pedigree to become a modern-day music star. She spent her early years on a Christmas tree farm. She knew very early on that she wanted to be in music and Shania Twain and Faith Hill and other country stars of the time really inspired her in that. By 13 years old, she knew she had to be in Nashville. Yeah, she, of course, wanted to be in the home of country music and she said of that time that everyone there wanted to do what she wanted to do, uh, sing big songs and become a star, but she knew that she had to do something different and that's when she learned guitar and she also started to develop her songwriting skills. And that all started to pay off quite quickly. She got a development deal with Sony Records at the age of 14 and then at 15 in 2005, she signed a recording deal with a startup label that was called Big Machine Records. Yeah, and just to how savvy the Swifts were, her dad bought a stake in the company at that time uh, and the deal is a really big one. It's 13 years long. It's a six-record deal. And the next year, in 2006, Taylor releases her self-titled debut album, and it's a big hit. It climbs to number five on the Billboard charts. And right from the very start, Taylor is working hard for the success of her albums. She told Entertainment Weekly back in the day, and this is the quote, they only had 10 employees at the record label to start out with, so when they were releasing my first single, my mum and I came in to help stuff the CD singles into envelopes to send to radio. We sat on the floor and did it because there wasn't furniture at the label yet. (laughs) That is really getting in and getting it done. Yeah, it really is. She was really scrambling (laughs) from the start. And you can also see another really important part of her career right at the start, which is her close relationship with her fans. Uh, At concerts, she would stay back and sign autographs until the fans were gone, which sometimes lasted two and three hours. Yeah, she was also an early user of social media back Back in those days, it was MySpace. I remember those days. 
Taylor said she would get her fans to tell her via MySpace whenever they heard her songs on the radio so she could then go to radio stations and say, my fans are loving your station because you play my songs. Yep, it is all pretty clever and Mm -hmm. the payoff comes pretty quickly. Um, Taylor's second album is Fearless. It was released in November 2008 and it becomes her first number one Billboard song as well. Um, It's the album that's got You Belong With Me and Love Story on it. Um, It also goes on to become America's top-selling album for 2009. She also has her first headlining concerts with Fearless. It grosses around $65 US dollars at that time. And from there, the successes just keep building. Next albums are Speak Now, Red, and then 1989, and they just keep going on to build on the commercial successes of all of her previous ones. Each album is bigger, it sells more, And each tour then gets bigger and bigger as well. Yeah, exactly right. There is this sort of multiplier effect. And throughout this time, she's continuing to cultivate this really deep relationship with her fans. For example, she was posting behind-the-scenes videos of her process on YouTube, also maintaining a Tumblr account where she could talk directly with her fans. And for several of her albums, she would hold these secret sessions just before the album was dropped. Um, These were events where she would invite a hand-picked small group of super fans. Uh, They would come to her homes even and she would play the songs from her new album. What a reward for being a supportive fan, a huge encouragement to be a super, super fan that that fanaticism Mm. level of fandom could pay off by actually getting to go to her house. Claire, so far it's all been relatively smooth sailing for those first five albums then comes 2016, it's a rough year. It really is a rough year. This is the year that Taylor has these big public disputes with Katy Perry, with Nicki Minaj, and also very famously with Kanye West. There was a backlash against Taylor at that time too. Many people who weren't really that tuned into her or had decided that they weren't fans, they started to see her as manipulative and as a liar. And that saw her completely disappear from the spotlight for a year. But she wasn't done, and in fact, the best was yet to come. We're going to get into that next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. 
So Taylor's reputation is in the mud and she responds with her sixth studio album, Reputation. It's a self-scrutinising response to her fame and all of those conflicting narratives around her. But what it does is it shows Taylor's ability to control the conversations around her and once again, it is a big commercial success. Yeah, I just have these images of that album with lots of snakes Snakes. things Mm -hmm. going around. Um, Yeah, that album opens at the top of the chart It sells 1.2 million copies in its early weeks. She was also on a stadium tour with that album. It becomes the highest grossing North American tour in history. Uh, Worldwide, it goes on to gross $345 US million. Now, if you've been keeping score, we're up to six albums. It means it's the end of her initial six-record deal with Big Machine Records. She now signs a new deal with Universal Music Group, and it's really now, clear that you can start to see Taylor's business sense having a big, big impact on the music industry at large. Yeah, and that's because Universal was an early investor in Spotify and what Taylor does is make it a condition of her contract that when Universal cashes out of its Spotify investment that it will share the proceeds of that sale with all of its artists and she was really celebrated for that within the industry. Yeah, it just shows a bit of the clout that she has. At the time of changing labels, Taylor is also trying to buy the rights to her first six albums back from Big Machine Records, but disaster strikes when she learns that Big Machine is actually being sold to a record executive named Scooter Braun. He has no intention of letting Taylor have her albums back. No, and what she said at that time was that she was very disappointed that she wasn't given the opportunity to purchase that back. So that really did start a whole conversation around music rights and how they work. Um, The short version, though, of what she did and why it was such a defining moment for her uh, is that she decided to re-record her own versions of her old albums. She really hates Scooter Braun. Mm -hmm. That's a whole separate conversation. (laughs) And given she couldn't get the rights, she decides to really undermine him and re-record those albums and give extra content to her fans. And we have actually done a shortcut on how music rights work, so I'll pop a link to that in the episode notes. But this re-recording is really a way to destroy the value of the asset that Scooter Braun now owns. She's able to do that because of the loyalty that she's got with her fans. As of October, uh, she's released four of the six Taylor's version albums. 1989 has just been released. Each of them has once again been a success and they've headed to the top of the Billboard album charts. Yeah, it's quite an extraordinary thing, these albums that are years old Mm. have been right back at the top. And when it comes to COVID, she's releasing even more music. She's going quite deep with Folklore and Evermore, which are critical hits. Folklore actually won album of the year at the Grammys. And now we're up to the most recent bit. So Taylor Swift releases her 10th album, Midnight's, and again, it's huge. Yep. After the release of Midnight's, we then get the announcement that Taylor is going to be launching her Eras Tour, which is a recap of her entire career. In the US, the concert's ticket sales crash Ticketmaster, and that's a website that's supposed to be able to handle transactions and and traffic like this, the tour sells out almost immediately. Yep, same here for the Australian leg with another ticket provider. (laughs) Of course, we spent even personally a fair bit of the middle of the year (laughs) trying to get tickets to those concerts. So uh, the concert has gone on to become a really huge phenomenon, even on social media. TikTok has just dominated with clips from her concerts. Um, It really has taken her to a different cultural level. It's an impact 
that what the critics say has never really been seen before. Yeah, it's a, her cultural impact is just huge and I have spent more time than I care to admit on Swift Talk. Uh, <laughs> I did not get tickets to the Eras tour, so at the moment I am planning to go and see it in the cinema yeah. because she's gone on to release a film version of the Eras concert. It's only been out for a few weeks, but it's already one of the highest-grossing concert films in history. She's just huge. <laughs> yeah, just huge really is the way to <laughs> sort of encompass all of this. Um, it's the first concert film to go on to make more than $100 million at the box office and it even hit that level in its first weekend. Yeah. So not too shabby. Uh, as for the Eras tour itself, the estimate is that the tour will make $780 million US dollars on the US leg alone. That's according to Forbes magazine. When you get into the worldwide tour, they reckon that it will go on to gross more than a billion US dollars worldwide. So again, just phenomenal. Just huge. I'm going to borrow a phrase from her latest album. She's a mastermind. <laughs> and I'm surprised we haven't put too many uh, swift title puns throughout this shortcut, but I think we've spared Squizzes that. <laughs> But as we said, this is just the first of this two-parter on Taylor Swift. Next episode, Claire, we're going to talk about what all of this means. Yeah, we thought we'd split it into two because you can't sort of really talk about the impact and what it means until you sort of understand what she's actually done. So this is the what she's done bit. Mm. Um, we'll get into the next episode of a good recce about her career and the impact. Get into all the analysis of that. All I can say is two episodes on Taylor Swift. What a treat. <laughs> now on to our recommendations. Each week we like to suggest further reading, watching or listening on the topic. And this week, Claire, I think you and I are just going to out our favourite Taylor Swift songs. For me, this is like trying to choose a favourite child. I have been <laughs> to all of her Taylor Swift concerts in the beginning I was pretending to babysit my little sisters there and then I was just like, ah, oh, <laughs> I know why blown. I'm here. I actually I'm like fan. this lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my faves at the moment, probably all too well, that 10-minute version and mm -hmm. then Delicate, I love. Yeah, we'll give you two, I guess. Yeah. It's not really picking a favourite, <laughs> two. Yeah, and look, for me, it depends on the week, really. Yeah. We're both super fans. In fact, I think most of us at the Squeeze are really good fans of Taylor yeah. Swift. Uh, for this week, probably my favourite off Midnight's, um, You're On Your Own Kid. I quite like that one. Yeah, nice. We'll put links to both of those in the episode notes, as if everyone hasn't heard them, but we'll put them there anyway. <laughs> That's it for us. If you've enjoyed this shortcut, Tell your Swifties about it. Tell your people about it. Tell your non-Swifties so they can start to understand maybe just what a cultural phenomenon she is if they're a, on the anti-Taylor Swift bandwagon. But Shortcuts is all about giving you the backstory to the big news stories. We do big news topics all the time, but we also like to look at cultural things and interesting things like this. So if you've got topics you want us to do an explainer on, send it through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with part two next time. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way 
we grow. Thanks in advance.